to a Methodist. God had his move in those days, but you'll testify that God's raised up a little bit higher. That he's used those as a platform, as a foundation. Brought out something a little bit clearer in our day. And our hearts are grateful to see it. You feel that way today? The Bible talks about those that are, have ears to hear and, and eyes that can see. And that's nothing but grace. Not one person in this room is worthy of such wonderful and majestic splendor as what's been granted to you thankful for that this morning you're very humbled by his choice what a mighty God we serve what a what a what a service last night I, I can't get past that the element that's been put in my hand that's been put in your hand and and you know, we we talk about the age that we're living in and the prophet taught you've been raised up to what's called the eagle age it's not the ox the lion or the man it's it's raised up higher and an eagle can see above the storms see above the tempest see above the flames and see him clearly and it raises you up out of the things that happen in this world and the, the things that go on and lets you get a good vision of where you come from and where you're going and it gives a peace that this world just can't explain this world can't take away no matter what comes or goes they can't figure out why you're not a neurotic they can't figure out why you ain't lost your mind with everything that's happened they can't figure out why you still love him and you still serve him, you say, because this is what I was built for. This is what I was built for. And that song talks about an eagle don't struggle. It don't strive. It doesn't, none of those things. It was built for it. You were specifically designed to be born in this day. You were specifically designed to believe and accept this word. You were specifically designed to manifest it in your walk with the Lord. And the proof of that fruit is one day you just won't be here. You just be found missing like our brother Enoch was. Just disappeared. We can't find them. I don't, they were there. Everybody knows they were there. That third pool is to the bride and to the eternally lost. And you will see that in work in your life. And everybody around you will see that work in your life. And they'll say, I don't know, maybe I don't agree with them, but they got something nobody else has got. And then one day we went by their house and they just weren't there. Because God just took his bride home. God bless you this morning. We got such a 
such a, a, a treat in store once again, Brother Andrew, to come preach for us again. I want to say thank you to each one of you that have that have come and made the, tr- the trek and the, the trip and all the, that you've sacrificed to be here for all of us that are here that have sacrificed in prayer and the service and to getting everything's ready and the, the cooking and the supplying and all that. I appreciate that to each one of you. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will bless you so mightily for that. He talks about blessings that will run you down, that will overtake you, and you won't even know where to put them and what to do with them. That's a promise to you. And you've been made this promise by someone that cannot lie. You've been made this promise by someone that cannot die, that cannot change. He can't be voted out of office. He's always the same. And he keeps his word. Praise the Lord. Now, as our brother comes this morning, You've got your cups turned up. You come expecting. You got a taste last night. Today you can get the whole meal. If maybe, if because I know how the devil fights. I know the devil loves distraction. He loves discouragement. He loves depression. He's doing everything he can to keep you from entering into that channel. And if maybe you were able to say, you know, I didn't get everything last night I wanted. Again, he's the same God that meets every need. And if you only got 1% last night, you fling open this morning every door of your heart. You say, God, have your way. Draw me nearer. I give all that I am to you. And the prophet taught us that kind of expectation. God will meet that need. Do you believe that this morning? Can we get a unanimous amen? I believe that this morning. Let's sing that chorus one more time as we ask our brother to come. Set your wings to the winds of faith and you will fly in a higher Set your wings, winds of faith, you can fly in a higher place. Oh, don't struggle this morning. Grace, set your wings to the winds of faith. Amen. How many's come here this morning to, amen, rise into a higher place? Amen. Not to stay where we were last night or where we were a month ago or even a week ago, but to take a step up. Amen. I believe this bride is a prophet of God said, up, 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 up. Amen. We're, we're headed up. Amen. And we say, God bless you all this morning. Amen. We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. How many's thankful to be a Christian here today? Amen. I heard the prophet of God say one time, he said, if I wasn't a Christian, I don't know what I would do. And I I can identify with that this morning. I'm thankful to be a Christian. Amen. Not any kind of Christian. Amen. But a Bible-believing Christian. Amen. And we want to greet you all this morning. I forgot last night. You all forgive me, but we bring you greetings from our pastor uh, there and our brother Sean Martin, the saints there at uh, Faith Tabernacle send our greetings to you all this morning, and so we uh, want to be sure and do that. And again, Brother Sam, it's a real honor and a privilege to be here with you all, and thank you for the invitation. And we appreciate the work of God that's being done.
done here in this community and for all the visitors that's here with us this morning we uh, say god bless you all and amen we just want this morning to look into the word for a few moments a few things here upon our heart and if you have your bibles we have a few places we'd like to read uh, the first place i want to look with you is in the book of exodus the 14th chapter the book of exodus the 14th chapter and i want to look there uh, in the 10th verse of exodus 14 uh, you love the lord this morning amen exodus the 14th chapter and the 10th verse and just before we read let's just bow our hearts together and ask the lord to come and give us a grace this morning in his word heavenly father have gathered here this morning father we've not gathered here to be seen or to be heard we've not gathered here for ritual or tradition for form or fashion lord we've not gathered here to fulfill a religious commitment or a religious duty to a church or to an association but lord we've gathered here lord to draw closer to you for lord we are well aware that this world is coming to an end. It's coming to a close, Father. But, Lord, your grace is sufficient until the end. You said with us, Lord, even until the end of the age, the consummation of the ages. Lord, just hearing your prophet this morning speak time, Father, how that he would say we've come up through instructions. He said, I... get up to that last final junction and he would say it's the ending of time and the blending of eternity or the ending of the world and the going into the millennium and father we're here this morning preparing for that we we don't want to miss that lord there is many things we can miss in this life and we'll be okay but lord we cannot afford to miss your coming we cannot afford to miss what you have prepared for us in the great eternities now lord as we open your word this morning we invite you to come in this building may you come in in the power of your resurrection lord may you drive out every spirit that will try to hinder this meeting in any way father and for your honor and glory, move among us this morning, and we'll be sure to give thee all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for it's in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray, and all the believers says, amen and amen. God bless you this morning. The book of Exodus, the 14th chapter, and in the 10th verse, the Bible says, when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. I, I want to emphasize that. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Notice this. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today... Ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Also, I want to look in the book of Isaiah, the 35th chapter. The book of Isaiah, uh, the 35th chapter. I have just uh, come to really appreciate here 
uh, lately studying this chapter, just the, the, the powerful things that Isaiah uh, says to the church concerning the flourishing of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 35, if it's okay, I would just like to read the chapter to you. Uh, Isaiah 35 and verse 1. It says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory uh, and the singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord. I, I love that. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands. Confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. For behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Notice how he's dealing with sight. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool. I, I don't know about y'all, but this sounds like a revival. Amen. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go in up, go up on thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs, everlasting joy upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness. Notice this, and sorrow and sign shall flee away amen sorrow and sign shall flee away and if you would just uh give me grace to read you one more scripture in chapter uh romans the eighth chapter and the uh, the 18th chapter and the 17th verse uh the bible here says in romans eight seventeen, and if children then heirs and heirs of god join heirs with christ now notice this, even so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You love the Lord this morning. We ask the Lord to add a blessing to the reading of his word as you uh, can have your seats here today. I want to, uh, just by the help of the Lord for a few moments, I want to uh, speak to you here on a thought. And if I would title this, amen, I want to speak to you on see the suffering, see the glory. Uh, see the suffering, see the glory. I, I believe, amen, that we have seen a lot of suffering. Amen. I believe we've seen suffering in our bodies. We've seen suffering in our nation. We've seen suffering in our churches. But I believe that the time has come not just to see the suffering, 
but to see the glory. Now, the prophet of God says in the resurrection of Jesus, tomorrow night, Lord willing, or one night before I leave, he said, I would like to speak on the infallibility of the word of God. He said, and if people can ever get placed and their faith centered, not upon present situation, amen, but upon what God has said about it. If they can ever get their faith centered, not upon present situations, but upon what God has said about it. And if you can remember that no matter what comes or what goes, or how impossible that it seems to be, God's word will take its place every time. See, in the face of every difficulty, nothing can take its place it has preeminence because it's none other than God himself in the spoken word and it has to come to pass. I I believe with all of my heart that the hour, that the time, that the season has come amen, that the word must have the preeminence in the church. Brother Bram said like this, it doesn't make any difference what anything says the word of God has preeminence in my heart. That's right and I want what God's got for me. If there's anything more Amen. Open heaven, Lord, because my heart is open for it. Amen. In the message, the token, I believe that we're now at the time, amen, that the word should have the preeminence. I believe the time to lay aside our creeds and thoughts and come back to the word. The time has come, amen, that the word should have preeminence, right? The time has come that the word should have preeminence. I, I believe it's a powerful thing when the word has preeminence in your heart, amen, then you'll begin to look at things different. Amen. When the word has preeminence in your heart, amen, then you'll begin to look at things different. I, I lost it in my ear. If you can turn it back up, I'd appreciate it. Amen. Man, but them said, wants to look at what God is trying to show him on the basis of his own idea about it. See, but God is trying to show man something. Amen. But the man wants to accept it upon the way he looks at it. So, amen. God is trying to show the church something, but man tries to look at it based upon the way he thinks about it the way he feels about it that's good the way he uh, the way he feels about it amen but god is trying to show the church something not based upon our feelings amen but based upon the promise of his word now amen you know the bible says in john 16:13 how be it when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth how many believes that when the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth is that thing still causing it to cut out Okay, well, we'll just, just turn that thing off. And if you can turn these things up, I'd appreciate it. Amen. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Oh, that's awesome. Amen. Uh, uh, I don't have $20 to give you, but if you'll turn them up, I'll buy you a steak dinner. Amen. Amen. Into truth, he will show you the things that is to come. Now, when you start looking at this, the Bible said that the spirit of truth was promised to come to the church in the last days, right? Now we're in the last days. We're not looking for the spirit of truth, but we have received the spirit of truth based on what the word said. I love what the prophet God says in the message of God because he actually takes his text, a guide from John 16 and says, in other words, he'll be the one, amen, that will reveal the thing you see. Amen. In other words, he will be the one that will reveal the thing you see. So actually you can be looking at something and not have a revelation revelation of what you're looking at but when the spirit of truth comes he will not just allow you to look at it but he will actually impart into you an understanding of what you're looking at i think it's a powerful thing that when you begin to look at a god how many knows what a god is amen a god is someone
someone that takes you somewhere you've never been before. You don't understand how to get there. Amen. The problem with God, beautiful sermon guy, 1962. Amen. He'll show you that a God is responsible for you. He'll he'll show you that a God, amen, has got to make sure that you don't get lost, that you don't get hungry, that you don't get cold. Amen. A guide has accepted the responsibility of you in order to get you from one place to another and to get you back to where you come from. Amen. I believe that a guide has a twofold purpose. Amen. A guide does not just lead. Amen. But a guide will actually enlighten. Now, in the book of Ephesians 1 verse 8, uh, chapter 1 verse 18, Paul says that the eyes of your understanding, amen, would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in his saints. Now, Paul here is saying, amen, that the eyes of your understanding are going to be enlightened. Now, I said to you like this, amen, a guide does not just show you the way, amen, he does not just take you down the path, amen, but if he's a good guide, he will show you every detail along the way. You know, a, a few years ago we was out in uh, the Smoky Mountains there at the Pigeon Forge and there was a, a, a there's actually there if you ever there it's called a crime museum. It's actually uh, the history of crime. Now most people are like why in the world would you go to a crime museum it, but it was interesting okay. So we, we go in there right. A brother Joe Green and myself be pastors out in North Carolina. Our families was out there. We went in there. We were just looking around. Now my wife uh, God bless her but she's like let's go in the museum. Let's look and let's go somewhere else you know what I mean. There's there, there, <laughs> don't read everything. Amen. Don't don't stop and dig into every detail. But but I'm the different kind. I, I'm the one that goes in there and I want to read this card and read that. I want to read everything there is because I actually want to get the full value, amen, of what I'm looking at. And it's a funny thing, we're walking in. I said, Now, uh, do you all have a tour guide? They said, No, we don't have a tour guide, but we have an audio thing. You just put it in your ears and you just listen to it, and as you go through, everywhere you stop, it'll tell you about this crime and tell you about this. I mean I mean, they've got the original Bonnie and Clyde car in the basement. They got O.J. Simpson's uh, uh, Ford Bronco when he was, they, they got it all there. So it's actually something neat to see. Amen. But what amazed me was, amen, as I was walking through there, had I not had that voice in my ear, I would have never known that that was Bonnie and Clyde's car. I would have never known that that was what O.J. Simpson, I would have never known about Alcatraz and all these other prisons. Amen. But because I was under the voice of enlightenment, I was not just looking at something, amen, but I was understanding what I was looking at. And for 2,000 years, people has been carrying this Bible. They've been looking at the cross. They've been looking at the blood. They've been looking at predestination. They've been looking at all these things, but they had no understanding of what they were looking at, amen. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sing, amen, the church will receive more, amen, than just eyesight to see, but they will receive the ability to perceive to understand and to comprehend. Amen. A guide will reveal the thing that you see. Remember said over there in, 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 uh, in uh, uh, Ozone Arraine, France. He said, I was over there at John Sproul. He said, I was looking there at the statue of Christ. He said he was standing there, a man criticizing it. He said, I don't see no suffering. I don't see nothing that looked like anything would be great about this monument here. But the guide said, well, amen, you're looking at it wrong, sir. He said, see, you got, oh my. He said, see, you got to get down here at the altar. He said, see, there's an altar built here. Now think about this. A God led him to the monument of the suffering, amen, of Jesus Christ that John Sproul had raised up. 
he's standing there, Brother Hobbs, and he's looking at it, and he's saying, I don't see nothing about this. I don't see the point in this. Why, why does everybody come to see this? But there was a guy there, amen, and there was an altar there. Listen, the guide got him to the attraction, amen, but had the guide not been there to explain why there was an altar, he would have still never received, amen, the full benefit of what John Sproul was trying to produce to the world, amen, and the man said, get down at the altar. In other words, you got to change your focus, amen, you're looking at this the wrong way. You're looking at it as just a statue. You're looking at it as just vision coming into materialization. Amen. But if you get down and humble yourself and look at it, you will see, amen, that it's not just a monument. It's the suffering of Jesus Christ. See, it's the way you look at it. If you look at the Word, amen, was way back there and Christ lived a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago and He's not today. He's not the same yesterday, today and forever. That's just what you'll get out of it. But it's not to be looked off as history. It's to be gotten down, look up to it, and believe it. Amen. The way you look at the Word of God. Amen. It depends on the way you look at the Word. Amen. Will determine the benefits you receive. Amen. From the way you look at the Word. I say this morning, thank God. Amen. That He sent a message in this hour. Amen. That would change the church's approach. It would change the church's view. It would change the way we look at things. It would change our focus my God would send a message that would change our focus now when you look at this word focus it's a, it's a very powerful word amen according to Webster amen it's, it's a very powerful definition the word focus is the center or the interest or the activity an act of concentrating an interest or activity on something amen brother Aaron it's the focal point amen amen it's the focal point of a person or their eyes amen it means to adapt to the prevailing level of light and become able to see clearly amen so if you're focused you're not just looking at something you're not just seeing something but you're actually seeing it clearly it means to cause one eyes to focus it means to pay particular attention to. Amen. Now, you know the prophet said that the eyes, amen, are the gate to the soul, right? Amen. Now, what is the soul? Amen. The soul is the real you. That's why Jesus said the light of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be single, then the whole body shall be full of light. Amen. But if the eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If the eye be single, if the eye be focused, if the eye be pre- if the eye be paying particular attention, amen, to one specific thing, then the whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is looking at everything, everywhere, everything going on, amen, that eye's going to become full of darkness, and that body's going to become full of darkness, amen. But in the evening time, in the evening time, it shall be light. Amen. I love that our eyes, amen, would adapt to the prevailing level of light. Isaiah 42 verse 6, amen, says, I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and will keep thee and will give thee for a covenant of the people, amen, for a light of the Gentiles. Amen. Matthew 4 16, the people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region, amen, and the shadow of death, amen, light 
is sprung up. Amen. So light was there, but it had to be arisen. Amen. I love what the prophet says and turn on the light. He said the sun is the king of all lights on this earth. In the natural lights, no matter how much artificial light we can have, how many great electric rays we can produce, when the sun rises, all the rest of them will dim out. That's the same thing it is with the word of God. When the word of God rises, all superstition, all denominational fanaticism, and things spread away, and it shows exactly what it is. For in the beginning, what did God say? He said, let there be light. He meant the light only comes. He said the true light, which is the king light, he meant comes by the word of God. God separated the light from the darkness in the beginning, and the word of God manifest always separates amen the light from the darkness amen his word is superior over all man's words over everything amen his word is light are you hearing me? His word is light. His word is superior over every man's opinion. His word is superior over every denomination. His word is superior over every doctrine. His word is the superiority, amen, of the church of the living God. Now, amen, I'll say it to you like this. Amen, the light does not change. The light only reveals. The light does not change. The light only reveals. You say only reveals, yeah. I mean, if you actually uh, get to looking at it, you'll, you, <laughs> amen, you'll realize, amen, that in darkness there's no ability to discern. There, there's no ability to identify. Amen. But if there's light there, then there's an ability to identify and to discern the object at hand. Like if you come in this building, there was no windows in here. There was no light. And Brother Sam, you come in, and you're just walking down the aisle, right? You get get about halfway down the aisle and all of a sudden your foot trips on something but you keep on walking so you come up here and then you turn around and you go back and as you're going back amen your foot trips over the same thing well, about that time brother Matthew showed up and brother Aaron showed up and brother Levi walked in and you said hey you said I tripped over something in there well brother Aaron says well you know what I think it is I think it uh, I think it's a piece of wood brother Matthew says well I think it's a chair brother Levi said well I think it's a book somebody else said, well, I think it's a shoe now now we've got four or five different interpretations of one object. There's not five objects laying there. There's only one. But now we got all different. Now where's the absolute to lay in there? I'll tell you what the absolute is. Is when there's a man here who can turn on the light. And when the light comes on... Come on, church. When the light comes on, amen, the light does not change what's laying there. Amen, the light reveals, amen, what was laying there. And this message was not the changing of the Word of God. It was the revealing of Jesus Christ. Listen, William Branham didn't put these scriptures in the Bible. They were already laying there when he come on the scene. Amen, but we were under the dark denominational flashlights of creeds and traditions. Amen, but in the evening time, it shall be light and the light shall shine in the church and we shall see what is truth we shall see what is error we shall see what is the spirit of prophecy we shall see the gifts in order we shall see the son of man we shall see the revelation of the word of God in the age that we're living in hallelujah I'm not talking about a life that's changed this word I'm talking about a life that's revealed it it's not a lot to change it's a lot to reveal that light, that word, is superior over everything. It's superior over your feelings. 
It's superior over our mistakes. It's superior over man's opinions of us. The Word is superior. Now, how can I not talk about the Word being superior and not talk about a man named Caleb? Caleb was a witness, amen, that God's Word is superior. He said, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Remember, said, stand still, 1957. What made Caleb so sure of when the opposition was so great? It's according to what you're looking at. Amen. Caleb was looking at the promise of God. The other ten was looking at circumstances. He said, if you go look at circumstance, look what's around you. You are sure to fail, but you must never look at what's around you. If Caleb would have said, oh, yes, the opposition is great. We don't even have implements to fight with. And look at those walls. How can we ever get through the walls? There's 10,000 to our 100. We're outnumbered. We're not war people to begin with. We're not even a United Nation. We're a bunch of peasant slaves. We're not even accepted as a nation. Amen. But one thing Caleb looked at. Oh God, I love to study a prophet. One thing Caleb looked at was what God said before they ever left Egypt. Caleb was looking at what God said before they ever left Egypt. I have given you the land. So Caleb didn't care what the circumstance looked like. He looked at what God said. He didn't care about the opposition. He didn't care about the sons of Anak. He didn't care about the walls. He was caring about what God said before they ever even left Egypt. Come on, church. Before they ever left Egypt, they had a word from the Lord. Before they ever come to the Red Sea, they had a word from the Lord. Before they ever faced one opposition on their journey from Egypt to the promised land, they had a word from the Lord. And there is a bride in the last days who is on her way to the millennium. She's on her way to the future home. She's on her way to the rapture. And before there was one opposition, there was a word spoken concerning you. That's the way you must do. Don't look at circumstances. Look to what God said. It's God's promise that counts. It's not my idea. It's his word. It's not your idea. It's his word. It's not my mind. It's not my power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Then what must we do, Brother Sam? We must focus our lives to the Word. We've got to have a church that is washed in the blood of the Lamb and has become one with the Word. When you become one with the Word, then feelings will not separate you. When you become one with the Word, opposition will not separate you. When you become one with the Word... He said, see, become one with the word, be the church. Then the church is not one with ideas. The church is one with the word. Now, I'll say it to you like this. As the bride of Jesus Christ, we are not becoming one with end time signs. Are you hearing me? I know people say, well, Brother Andrew, what do you think about blood moons? What do you think about this? What you, and then a few years ago, people got into black helicopters, and they got into the, uh, the uh, what was that, chemtrail jets. You know, I mean, I was, I was, well, I'm here, so I might as well preach that now. Amen. I was talking to a guy one time, and he had all the chemtrail jets laid out, and oh, they're killing us, and man, they're putting this out, and they're putting that out. And if you look here and look there in the Bible, he said, what do you think about it? I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, what do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? I said, what you're talking about ain't what William Brown taught. 
But them didn't tell us, amen, to turn our eyes on chemtrail jets. He didn't tell us to get focused on blood moons. But he did say what the word said. He said there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, a distress of nation, perplexity, the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing for fear, looking after things which are coming on the The hearts are failing with fear, amen, because they're looking after the things which are coming upon the earth. He said, see, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And when they, when they shall stand, they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. In other words, change your focus. Amen. Change your eyesight. Look up. Amen. And lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing nigh. You got to get your eyes off the earth. You got to get your eyes off the sun. You got to get your eyes off the moon. You got to get your eyes off the distress between Russia and Ukraine and China and Japan and America and North Korea. You got to get your eyes off all these things. Listen, we are not here becoming one with end time signs. We are here becoming one with the word that has prepared us for the escape that is coming to the church. Oh, they'll look up. They'll lift up their heads. Amen. I love that, Brother Sam. Then look up. Amen. In other words, change your focus. In other words, turn your head from earthward to heavenward. Oh, God. In a day of confusion, quit looking at the earthly elements for inspiration. In a day of confusion, quit looking at CNN and Fox News and MSNBC. Amen. For a source of inspiration. Amen. To help you get through the day. We got a message, Brother Mitch. We got a vindicated voice. If you need some strength, if you need some encouragement, whatever you have need of, amen, it's coming from the message of the hour. It's a day of confusion, but look heavenward for inspiration and help. Amen. If you can give me a little bit more than the speakers, I'd appreciate it. By faith this morning, that's good. Lift up your eyes. Don't see what's around you. Amen. This modern world, but look and see him who give the promise. The Bible said you see all things perfectly now, but we do see Jesus. How many sees Jesus? Are you hearing me? You look at him this morning and your ways will be changed. You look at him this morning and your ways will be changed. How many would say, Lord, help me to get my eyes off the earth, get my eyes on heaven. Help me to get my eyes off of all these little little dissensions and things that's happening. Help me to get my eyes off of them and get my eyes on Jesus Christ. The Bible said, let us exalt his name together. The Bible said they looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. David said, I will lift up mine eyes from the hills. Amen, from which cometh my help. Amen, my help cometh from the Lord, which made the heaven and the... Come on, church. Sometimes you got to reach over and get a hold of David's principles. And David's principles was not wowsy, wowsy, woo, poor, pitiful me. Let's have a pity party. Amen, but David's principles were, you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. David's principles were, when I'm in the midst of a battle, I will not look at what's going on around me, but I will lift up my eyes unto the heat from which cometh my help my help is not coming from the world my help is not coming from man my help is coming from God oh I love David's principles unto thee I lift up mine eyes oh thou 
Behold, as the eyes of the servant look on the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about it's time to change your focus. I'm talking about it's a new year. We're, we're what, two or three Sundays into this new year? Time to change your focus. Whatever your focus was last year, amen, that had you depressed, had you tore up, had you all, oh God, had you all, all nervous and anxiety and, and feeling like you're not going to, whatever that was, you got to get your eyes off of it. And get your eyes on the word. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Listen to this commandment. Lift up your eyes on high. Lift up your eyes on high. And behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them by name, by the greatness of his mind, for that he is strong in power and not one that faileth. Come on, church. You got to quit just looking at it. You got to start staring at it. Come on. You got to quit just looking at it. You got to stare at it. When you stare at something, you make a connection with it. And when you make a connection with it, you actually invite it to, to, come on now. You you realize if you look at something, somebody don't think nothing about you. If you just look at something and keep on going, they don't think nothing about you. But if you stop and stare, well, Webster, if you stop and you start staring at it, then what you're doing is the stare is inviting a conversation. In other words, what you're staring at is inviting it over to ask you, why are you staring at me? But there's a message here that we're not just looking at it. Come on, church. What did he say? He said, go to the tomb. He said, but don't just look in there. Amen. But look in there and stare at the fact that the God that was laid in there is not in there. He's alive and well. You've got to stare at this message. See, God is our joy. Knowing the message is our strength. God is our sufficiency. Then you Christians look to him. You say, but Brother Andrew, it's too hard. The suffering's, I'm getting to that. The suffering's too hard. The situation's great. There's no way I can turn my attention from the suffering to the positive. But listen, Jesus did not require you to do something without giving you an example to do it. The Bible said in John eleven forty one 41, that when they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Now come on, you imagine Lazarus laying there. Hey, remember the Sam, four days he's been laying in the grave. This was Jesus's friend. This was Jesus's buddy. It was his chum. It was his pal. Now come on, church. You imagine going to the grave of a friend that's been dead for a few days amen, and then rolling the tomb away and you see their mortal decaying body in a coffin. Amen. You imagine what it would do. It would bring an element of suffering. Amen. But you know why you would be feeling that way? Because of what you were looking at. You could see no change. You could see nothing. All you could see was a dead corpse amen, decaying in the ground. But my Bible said amen, that Jesus did not raise Lazarus amen, by looking at Lazarus he raised Lazarus because he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee. Amen. Thou hast heard me. Come on, church. Lazarus didn't get out of the grave. Amen. By Jesus looking at his mortal body, he got out of the grave because Jesus was on the earth, but he knew where his help was coming from. He could lift up his eyes unto the hills and say, Father, thou hast heard me. Lazarus, come forth. Come on, church. You got to get your eyes off of your problems. You got to get your, come on, I'm going to preach. 
We may not be running the aisles, but we're going to preach a second. I feel, I feel in my heart to lay some things here. I'm a, you all are, a, you all are a fiery church. You're, you're, can I preach, Brother Sam? You're, you're a new assembly. God blessing you left and right. Amen. But let me say this. The devil is mad as a horn and the devil will do everything he can. Amen. To destroy word made flesh assembly. He will do everything he can to destroy this pastor. He will do everything he can to destroy these young people. But I tell you this morning, friends, don't give him one second of your attention. Don't give him one moment of your abilities. Look away to Jesus. Get your eyes. Come on. When trouble comes in the church, come on now. People say, well, we got a perfect church. I almost laugh when I hear that. I almost laugh. You know why? Amen. Because they say, we got a perfect church. I say, oh, really? Yeah, we don't, we don't have no problems. Well, you don't have no people then. We don't have no problems. Well, you must not have no people. Because if you got people, you're going to have problems. And if you got problems, it means you got people. But what are we going to be, a church? You know what makes a church? is a group of people that learns to persevere through every trouble. You know what keeps a body together for 50 years is a group of people that know how to get through hard times and still remain a church after the dust is settled and the smoke is cleared and the battle is over. They're still in the house of God, praising God and worshiping God and blessing his name. Come on, church. We're not a bunch of hotbed hybridized, amen, church members. We are the bride of Jesus Christ and we got a message and it's a message of courage. It's a message of strength. Strength. Now, come on, I'm, I'm, I feel the Lord leading me here, so I'm going to deal with it for a second. Remember, Brother Bram stood there in Branham Tabernacle. He said, you're a beautiful, lovely group right now. He said, but don't worry. He said, Satan will shoot a heart of poison in among you. And he said, what will happen is, amen, you'll divide yourselves. Yeah. Oh, God. Come on, church. Amen, you got to learn how to stay together. And I preach a second. You gotta learn how to you gotta learn how to let things not go the way you think they ought to go and still come to church on Wednesday night and praise God. Well, come on. You're gonna be a church. You are a church. You gotta learn how to persevere through these things. Come on. Remember there, and I tell you what, amen. I oh God. Young people say, Well, you know, amen, I didn't get invited. I got left out. I wasn't made up. I don't fit in. I'm not, I'm not in the circle. Okay? So you know how we fix that? You know how we fix that? We don't have a youth group. So we get rid of our youth group, and then 20 years we don't have no young people in the church, and we got a bunch of old people fighting about how much money's in the bank account and what color of carpet ought to be on the floors, and our young people's gone to the world. Amen. Because some little, oh God, some little devil come in and say, well, I don't fit in this group, and I don't fit in this. And it was a whole lot easier just to shut the youth group down and not have one. Amen. But you know what will make the strength of your youth group is to be able to be Caleb's and put your foot on that devil and say, well, persevere. We'll persevere through hill feelings. We'll persevere through letdowns. If you're going to be a church, you've got to learn to get your eyes off the problems and get your eyes on the promise and say, devil, is that the best you got? Well, I might as well preach that. Now, oh, it ain't just in the young people. It gets in the older people. Well, the pastor didn't call me, and the pastor didn't visit me, and, well, I didn't get invited to this event, and I didn't. This, oh, God, have 
Well, it's Sunday morning and I feel good. I tell you what that is. That's an old social standing spirit that's come out of Laodicea. But the house of God is not a clique. It's not a social standing. It's a body of believers that have become one with the word and they're focused on Jesus Christ and they are pursuing the word. No matter what the cost is, they're pursuing the things of God. No matter how hard it gets, they'll persevere. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying get your eyes off the suffering if you're going to see the glory. If you're going to see the mountain, Caleb, you've got to get your eyes off of the giants. If you're going to taste of the grapes, you've got to get your eyes off of the report of the 12 negative gates. Uh, naysayers if you're going to possess this rapture you've got to get your eyes off of every little thing that comes along now the bible actually speaks of something that it will actually call Christ hour I love this because what it's doing is it's speaking of Christ's sufferings being predicted if you go to John 17 1, I, I was just thinking last night there at the room brother Sam I want to preach a series sometime on John 17 you, you say why why you say that because it's actually now brother Hobbs it's one thing for you to tell me you prayed for me and it means a lot if I tell you I pray for you sure it means a lot but what if I told you that Jesus Christ prayed for you before you was ever even born he prayed for you before you even come into the world he prayed for you and you know how he began his prayer? He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Now this is John 17. But if you go back a few chapters to John 12, hear the Bible say, glorify thy name. Amen. And he said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. When he said that, he was speaking of a bride that was coming in the last days that would actually be the glorification the name of Almighty God. He said, Father, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Now listen to this. Every trial, amen. Now, now can I say it to you like this? When Jesus prayed this, he's getting ready to go to Calvary. His hour, now, now, Brother Mitch, you imagine this with me, okay, for a second. Imagine that Jesus Christ can look in the Word, in the scrolls, and he can read what they're fixing to do to him. He can actually go back and read that they're going to, they're going to hang him up on a tree. Come on now. <laughs> if we could read about details in our trials before they happen, half of us wouldn't even be here this morning. But Jesus could go back and look where they would put a crown of thorns upon his head. They would literally, Brother Aaron, take a reed and would drive it in his side, which would be the releasing of the second part of the glorification of the bride of Jesus. Come on now. Amen. Amen. He could read about these things, and it never deterred him one time. He could read about the fact he was going to be stretched between the heavens and the earth. He was going to be beat. Come on. He could read He could go back and read Isaiah 53 and there would be no beauty about him. There would be nothing we would desire. He could read that and he could still say, Father, glorify that He could read about the sufferings before he ever even encountered them. I love what Brother said. He said, sometimes you just got to keep moving. He said, sometimes it will get hard and the waves will get dim. But remember, just look down towards the ground. Come on. 
look down towards the ground, but then look up towards the sky. You'll find a bloody footprint that follows all the way up there. He will lead the way. Come on, church. You are, you are following Captain Jesus. You are following General Jesus. And he has already, amen, he's already blazed the trails, amen, of persecutions and sufferings, amen, and misfortunes. And, and come on now. He's already been down those trails, and he has established a principle in the church. Can I preach now? He's established a principle. You say, well, Brother Andrew, he didn't have trials. Then if he didn't have trials, he's not your mediator. My Bible says he was tempted in every way, like an ass to man, yet without sin. Can I, can I preach to young people for a second? You say, Brother Andrew, you don't realize what I'm going through. You don't know the battles I'm facing. And, and, and I know you've heard it, Brother Sam. Our young people say, nobody understands. Nobody understands. Well, listen, if there's a generational age gap, you may be right. You, you, how old are you? You're 18. So you talk to an 85-year-old man and say, I'm facing things with technology, all these different things. He'll say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. You know why? Because his generation, there wasn't cell phones. Come on, church. There wasn't all these things. Amen. But today there is. But listen, there is a God that you can go to and everything you're facing you can tell him and he cannot look at you and say, I don't understand what you're facing. Come on, church. If you come up with one temptation that you say nobody understands, you have just disqualified Jesus Christ from being the high priest of your confession. In order to be the right kind of mediator, he had to go through the things you go through. So what did he do? He went through trials. Now, if I was to ask you this morning, Hey, everybody, we're passing out trials. How many wants one? Anybody? But the Bible said, if children and heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also... Now notice this, for I reckon that the time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Look at this word suffer. It's that which one suffers or has suffered externally. Misfortune, calamity, evil, affliction. Of the sufferings of Christ, also the afflictions with which Christians must undergo. In behalf of the same cause which Christ patiently endured. Of an inward state, it is an affliction, it is a passion or an enduring. I love what Bram says. It seems like the Christian life, if the fellow is not absolutely centered on Christ, the Christian life seems like holds so many disappointments. But those disappointments are God's divine will happening for us. Now, it don't seem like it would be that way, but it's God's way of doing things. Come on, church. Now, you say, Brother Andrew, why are you, why are you slowing down? To lay? I'm slowing down on purpose. I want to lay some things in here to you. The, the, the trials, the misfortunes, the calamities, the, the, the sufferings, they're God's divine will happening for us. 
The Bible says in Psalms 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. Look at this word afflictions. It means bad. It means evil. Now, I want you to catch something. It means malignant. An affliction means malignant. It is unpleasant. It is evil. It is giving pain. It is giving unhappiness or misery. So God promised many miseries. He promised many unhappy moments. Come on. You say, Brother Andrew, why are you saying that? Because it's the truth. Amen. You say God promised, not in the sense of a divine promise, but he said these things would happen. He told you these things are not happening by accident. He told you they would happen. Notice this. You know when you got the Holy Ghost, he said, you attend a lot of obstacles, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivereth him out of them all. God brings you right up facing with it so he can show you his power and his goodness. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we have more troubles when we become a Christian than we did when we were sinners. Sometimes, we have more troubles as a Christian than we did as sinners because it is written, many as the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivereth him from them all. Brother said, God promised, God promised many afflictions, strange feelings, strange things that would be beyond our understanding, but it's always done for our good. Just can't understand it because if we did, then it wouldn't be faith, but we do it and we have it and we believe by faith his word that it's going to work some good thing for us if we could grasp that today and there's none of us immune from them whoo brother well brother Andrew I've been serving God amen for 20 years there's none of us immune from them well brother Andrew I'm a Christian I believe the message there's none of us immune from them see it is written trials are brought upon us and they're more precious than gold for it's God giving us these trials see after we become his property our confession our baptism our promise to walk in life for him then every trial that comes upon us is to perfect us for his glory Come on now, I'm preaching, I'm turning the corner. Every trial that comes upon us is to perfect us for his glory. Father, glorify thy son as thou hast glorified thyself. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Come on, church. Amen. I, I propose to you this morning, Brother Mitch, that the world is not just going to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ, but they are going to see the glory of God manifested in the bride of Jesus Christ through ever suffering, through ever disappointment, through ever trial, through ever misfortune, through ever unhappiness, through ever day and pain and misery. There's going to be a bride who's going to rise above it all and she's going to testify that there ain't no grave and there ain't no trial and there ain't no sin and there ain't no sickness that can stop me from pressing forward. You say, Brother Andrew, what are you saying? I'm saying, amen, they're done to perfect us for his glory. It's to bring us to a place. I know I'm going slow, but I'm going slow for a purpose. It's to bring us to a place where God can make himself more real to us than he was before the trial come. Oh, God. You say trial, that's glory, right? No, that's the suffering. But I want to join in this morning with Job and say, I've lived long enough to know that's the truth. 
Are you ready for this? I've seen it in my own life. Every time a great situation arises that I cannot get around it. Ever been there? I can't go under it. Ever been there? I can't go over it. Ever been there? God makes a way and comes out glorious. You've seen the suffering, now see the glory. I just wonder how His grace ever does it, but He does. See, but what happens is, if we become so earthbound and weary in our trials, then we'll never move forward. He said, see, look at Israel. They got weary every time they got to a place where a showdown come. Strange thing, he said they would say like this. He said, what would they do? They would fly loose. They would get weary and want to turn back. Why did this happen to me? Amen. Amen. Anybody ever heard those words before? Why did this happen to me? Now, if I really wanted to preach to you, I could say, anybody ever said them words before? Why did this happen to me? You know what people say. If it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Well, since when did we start Christians start living by luck? Well, if it wasn't for bad days, I wouldn't have any days. Since when did we as Christians, amen, stoop so low, amen, that every day's got to be a bad day, every misfortune's got to be nobody loves, just nobody. Oh, God, I'm preaching to you tonight. But there's a promise here that after you have suffered a while, you're going to see the glory strange thing this morning he said after preaching just as hard as I could there was many came to the altar and questioned why does this happen to me you see it goes over the top of people's heads Jesus said you have eyes but you can't see amen notice this you mustn't question anything to God for the footsteps of the righteous is ordered to the Lord and every trial is put upon you amen to prove you and the Bible said they're more precious to you than gold so if you could get if you if God could let a few light afflictions happen to you remember it's for the correction of you those afflictions are done or brought about to see what attitude you'll take see it's God on this proven ground that's all the earth is is the proven grounds where he is trying to prove you what does that word affliction mean remember it's bad it's evil it's unpleasant it's misery it's pain or it's a malignant Now, you know, when you hear the word malignant, what do you automatically think of? Cancer. It's a malignant. Do you realize affliction means malignant? Let me say it to you like this. In other words, every affliction has the potential to become a malignancy cancer. Every affliction you go through has the potential. I'm not saying it is, but it has the potential to become a cancer. Now, you know what the prophet said about a cancer. He said it comes from a bruise. I hope I take some liberty here, Brother Sam. It comes from a bruise. It's a bruised cell. Usually is where it comes from. The cell is bruised. It's all mashed up, and the cell is backslidden. If something happens in there, amen, that fails to get the fun- function of the blood to it right, through there, Satan, the author of death, he said the author of death puts a demon in there called a devil, which is a demon called cancer. Cancer is not its name. Medical science just give it a cancer. The word cancer comes from the word crab and then notice it means with legs and things it runs out like other diseases they're given medical terms then that little cancer comes in there listen first it is a spirit before it becomes a cancer first it's a spirit 
He said, then it gets into a backslidden sale or a bruised sale that's not operating right. Do you realize every trouble you ever have in a church, you know where it comes from? It comes from a spirit that come into the church and notice that spirit didn't go attack. Amen, the prayer warriors. That spirit didn't go attack. Amen, somebody that was strong in the faith, but it found somebody that was all mashed up in their spirit. They were all backslidden from fellowship and that spirit attached itself to that sale. Come on, church, I'm preaching to you. I think it's time for the church, the living God, amen, to quit letting every affliction that comes away turn into cancers and malignancies and -and so-and-so don't love me and -and so-and-so don't. That's a lying devil from the pits of hell. You got to recognize that spirit. Come on, word made flesh. You got to recognize that spirit. Is there any members in this church that says from this day forward, going forward, when we see a spirit, we're going to crush that thing. When we see a spirit, when we see a spirit raise its head, we're going to join together. We're going to love like never before. We're going to pray like never before. We're going to worship like, come on church. You want to defeat a spirit? Call a prayer meeting. You want to defeat a spirit? Amen. Preach the power of God and the dynamics of Jesus Christ until that spirit feels unwelcome. I'm not here to be defeated by spirits. We are here to defeat spirits. And if you're going to be a church, you're going to have to learn how to war. You're going to have to learn how to fight spirits. You're going to have to learn to say, well, that was a misunderstanding. I tell you what misunderstandings lead to, they lead to prisons. Well, we know the quote by heart, don't we, Brother Hobbs? House of hell, give way to the name of Jesus Christ. You t- pray, tell me, go back and listen to that tape and tell me how them people got in that prison, got in that house of hell. You know how they got in that house of hell? You know how they got in that prison? Prophet God said they told him, Brother Branham, the people has misunderstood you. So by a misunderstanding, it put an entire group of people into a house of hell. Amen. That there was no power within that house to break it. It took the one they misunderstood. Oh, God, I'm preaching. It took the one they misunderstood. Amen. To stand up in the dream and say, house of hell, give way to the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, friends. Amen. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to preach here for a second. I'm not saying this to back a man up, but I'm going to say this to preach for a second. Amen. That man is the pastor of this church. And there's going to be times he does things you don't understand there's going to be decisions he makes that you don't understand but rather than getting in a house of hell amen and becoming a misunderstood unhappy miserable church member won't you go to the man and say brother Sam why did you make this decision why did you make that call come on church you got to learn how to war you got to learn how to defeat them spirits Don't you let them spirits overtake this church. I say this to you in the name of the Lord, church. Jesus Christ did not give you this building to let it become a habitation of spirits and ill feelings and hurt attitudes. He gave you this building to be a powerhouse of the message of the hour that I say every devil's got to back up. Hallelujah. Give it to you to be a manifestation of his glory. It's not a house of suffering. It's a house of glory. So you've got to learn to stop them spirits. I, this is totally going different than I thought it was. Said, I'd like to preach the gospel there for about five minutes. That's what happens in a church. He gets someone failing to operate with the church. Someone failing, pulling off, getting, getting indifferent. That's a cancer in the church. 
Say what the prophet said. It's a devil in that person. And that causes the whole church to be sick over it. You don't think your attitude's important to this church? One bad attitude can affect an entire service. So the best thing to do is have a pity party and call everybody over to the house and get them together and tell them about all your hurts and all your miseries and all your pain. Best thing to do is find, you know, I remember, I, I, I pray it's okay to say this. I remember one time, I remember one time Brother Bisco was preaching. He said something's always stuck with me. He said, he said, you know, it's like this. He said, people, he said, they get on fire and they say, man, I got a revelation. He said, nine times out of ten, they just found somebody that agreed with them. I said, what do you mean by that, brother? I'm thinking, I'm hearing him preach. I'm thinking, brother, what brother, do you mean by that? He said, well, it's like a guy. He said, his nature, amen, is a real rough nature. He's, he's hard on his wife, hard on his children. He said, then he'll come in the message here, brother, and say how that, how that a man ought to be the head of the house and a woman ought to follow. And he'll say, amen, I got a revelation. He said, no, you didn't. You just found somebody that agreed with you. He said, if it was a true revelation, it would change you from the old formal harsh nature to the nature Brother Brown was preaching. Come on, church. We're going. I love to shout, Brother Sam. I love to dance the aisles. I'll run the aisles with the best of them. Amen. But let me remind you, we are not here for just a shout and hallelujah time. We are here for a preparation, for a paradox of the changing of our bodies. We are here to leave here some morning. It's a spirit. He said the thing to do is have a spiritual operation. Now can I show you how deceiving these spirits are? It's this backslidden sail comes in, lays right there, but Brother breaks it down first, it's a spirit. Then it forms a teeny little cell of its own. <laughs> its forced form of life is the cancer, and it's painless. It's painless. No one knows it's happening. times out of ten, people don't wake up and say, you know what I feel like today? I feel like I got cancer. Now you wake up and you got a stuffy nose or a cold. I feel like I got a cold. But no one wakes up and says, you know, I feel like I got cancer. But they go to the doctor. The doctor says, you know what? You're eat up with cancer. And they say, well, what do you mean? I hadn't felt no pain. No one knows it's happening. And the only way to reveal it is a spiritual, or rather a natural doctor. The prophet of God said the only way to reveal this, he said, is to come in. He said, and watch another shell break and another shell break. He said, but what you've got to do is have a spiritual operation. He said, let the Father operate and take all of it out. He said, use that knife to bring that. He said, Lord, bring that knife down and declare yourself to be the same. Cut it out. You know what people say? Oh, I'm fine. Brother Sam calls you. We ain't seen you in a few weeks. Where you been? Oh, I'm fine. Y'all may not ever want me to come back. Brother, Brother Sam says, you know, uh, I, I, I want to talk to you after service. You know, I've been noticing a few things. Are you doing okay? Oh, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm okay. No, he's a surgeon. And there's some, oh, God. There's some signs showing something's not right. It's painless to you, but it's hurting the entire body. 
Come on, church. If, if every time you come to church and you're the loudest amener, you're the loudest hand clapper, you're the first one to the altar, you're the first one to shout, and then you show up one service and you sit there and fold your arms, never say amen, never clap, never raise your hand, they think something's wrong with me. Well, duh. You went from on fire to being an ice cube. We know something's wrong. So rather than letting that spirit overtake you and take you out of the house of God, let the man of God take the surgeon's knife and cut that thing away from you and get rid of that bruised cell and let some blood go to pumping back in the church. Let some blood go to flowing back. I say, oh God, this morning, send the blood in this church. Let it flow through every member. Let it flow through the young people. Let it flow through the preachers. Let it flow through the singers. Let the blood of Jesus Christ flow across the church. What are you saying? I'm saying Jesus never let his afflictions, sufferings become malignancies. He suffered beyond measure. He suffered beyond any mortal man's understanding. He suffered until the blood in his very capillaries busted open. His skin busted open. And rather than his beads of sweat are coming down my face, it was drops of blood. Changing your focus will amidst the trials. Change your focus this morning. Look at Christian say, change your focus. From the suffering, tell them, change your focus. From the suffering to the glory. Whew. I got that devil mad right now, and I'm loving every minute of it. Change your focus from the suffering to the glory. Change from the negativity to the positive. Change your focus. For, come on, you know what I'm saying? Come on, church. I might as well preach I'm here, Hatton. You know what the prophet said? He said, imaginations become realities. I, honestly, Brother Sam, I don't know why I'm going this way. I'm just following the Lord. Imaginations become realities. If you're going to be a church, if you're going to be a church, there's going to be sometimes somebody don't shake your hand. Oh, God. If you're going to be at church sometime, amen, Brother Sam's going to get done preaching and he's going to walk by you and he's not going to shake your hand. And I'll tell you what that old devil will do. He'll come and whisper in your ear and say, Brother Sam don't love you. Well, did you see Brother Mitch? He walked right by you, never even shook you. Brother Mitch don't like you. You, you see Sister So-and-So, she didn't, even, she didn't even compliment your song. She must not like you. And Brother Bram said, what happens is, he said, you imagine that. He said, and before long, you keep imagining it till it becomes a reality. And he said, you'll be shunning that person. Come on, church. You'll be shunning them. You won't be talking to them. You won't have no Because in your mind, you've let imagination become reality. He said, and they don't even have nothing against you. Well, I say this morning, we as the church of living God ought to put our foot on the head of imagination. We ought to put our foot on the head of every spirit and say, Satan, you can throw the best you got. But when the dust clears and the smoke settles, we'll still be word made flesh assembly and we'll still be loving God and we'll still still be baptizing sinners and will still be preaching the message of the hour. Hallelujah. I'm not a crazy man. I'm a man that's learned to war against spirits. And if you're going to be a church, if you're going to make a rapture, you've got to learn how to stop things in their tracks. <laughs> Imaginations turn into realities. Realities turns into division. Oh, Jesus. But you've got to learn how to suffer. 
But get your eyes on the glory. Let me close with this. We suffer with him. We may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You go in your Bible, read through the scriptures, look for the word suffering, and I guarantee you, Brother Hobbs, nine times out of ten, when you see the word suffering, keep on reading, you'll see the word glory. When you see the word suffering, keep on reading because you're going to see the word glory. I love what Peter says. He said, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand. Oh, my. When it testified beforehand, amen, the sufferings of Christ. Notice this. And the glory that should follow. So the sufferings was predicted beforehand and the glory was predicted beforehand. Look at this word before. It means to be known before to predict. Amen. I love what he says in 1 Peter 4.13. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are the partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy. When God, Brother said stand still 57. When God was ready to speak he had to steal the people and it was one day way down coming out of Egypt before they got there that God wanted to show his glory and God could only show his glory when his people would stand still and look for it that's what the matter today with our church people does not stand still and look for the glory of God but you got to stand still and see the glory or the salvation of God come on church they don't stand still long enough to look beyond the sufferings all they see is the sufferings let me, let, me, let me close with this. But we do not walk by sight. <laughs> we walk by faith. You see the suffering by sight. You see the glory by faith. What is faith? It's a revelation. The prophet said, see, choosing rather to walk by sight than by faith, by the unseen. And when a man does that, he robs the inner man, which is the soul. We do not live by what we see. We live by what we believe. Faith does not look at this present time. Faith does not see this here. Faith does not look to see what God, faith looks to see what God wants and works accordingly. He said, see, faith is a long range vision. Faith is a long-range vision. You know what faith is? Faith is a man starting a church in a community center and looking down the road and saying, God, if you've established this, you'll give us a building. And here you are this morning sitting. Amen. Come on. You're not sitting, Brother Webster, in the sufferings of having to tear down and set up and start a service every week. But God has given you a building. He's given you the glory of the suffering. Come on, church. I know we want to see glory in some spiritual miraculous manifestation. Amen. But I refuse. Amen. To look for God in the big things and miss him in the small things. I see the glory of God on word made flesh assembly. I see the glory of God upon you, church. Faith has long-range vision. It don't lower its sights. It don't look at the temporary sufferings. You say, Brother Andrew, you don't understand what I'm going through. He said, faith looks at the end. Brother Bram said, look at Moses' mother. He said, God, in order to be God, know the end from the beginning, so he could predict it, set things in order to happen. Notice, can you imagine how, 
I'm going a little over. Y'all forgive me. But, but could you imagine Moses' mother holding the baby in her arms? God tells her, put that baby in crocodile-infested river in a basket. I've always said Moses was the first basket case. Put him in a basket. Put him in a crocodile-infested river where there's crocodiles hungry to eat him. You think she went down there shouting hallelujah and she put that baby in the river. You think she was down there cutting the shine when she was wrapping that baby up and looking at crocodiles waiting on another Egyptian, what they thought Egyptian baby, amen, to eat. You think really that them that she was down there shouting. She was under the load of suffering. She, oh, God. She was under the heaviness. She was under the burden. As she laid that baby in the crocodile-infested river, she was under the burden of suffering. But the prophet, thank God for a prophet. He said, oh, but watch. God's wise providence. He had revealed by spiritual revelation that he was going to be his chosen vessel. And his mother wasn't as scared of the king's commandment. Amen. For by faith she saw him with the children of Israel, placing them over in the promised land. Come on, church. When she put Moses in that basket in the crocodile infested rivers she was not looking at her baby in a crocodile infested river she was looking at Moses with a staff in his hand and his baby on a mule and two million people followed him out of the mud pits of Egypt Come on, church. I tell you what, Brother Hobbs, I'll tell you what. She probably cried on her way down, but she probably shouted on her way back home because she said the next time I see him, he won't be a baby in a basket. He'll be a general in the army of the living God. Glory to God. I tell you this morning, friends, right now I'm shouting. You know why I'm shouting? It's because I see gray hair. I see stooped shoulders. But the next time I see you, Hallelujah. The next time I see you, you could be in a glorified body. Quit looking at the suffering. Get a hold of the long range vision. Walk by faith, not by sight. You said, Brother Andrew, it's so hard to focus. So hard to focus on the glory because the glory is unseen, but the suffering is seen. But God sent the message of the hour a prophet to preach two sermons on looking to the unseen. Preach a message on look away to Jesus. Preach a message on look. Preach away on looking unto Jesus. What was he doing? He was shifting your focus from the seen suffering to the tremendous revelation of glory. What are you saying? I'm saying the message of the hour is more than a book. It's more than a tape. It's a vision. It's a connection. Can I say it to you like this? This message has connected you. It has connected the seen realm with the unseen realm. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The Bible says vision is oracle, prophecy, divine communication. Have you ever looked at what prophet said a vision was? I love it. He said, what is a vision? It's another dimension. What is a vision? He said, someone asked, Brother Brandon, when you say these things, are you impressed to say them? Do you just think it in your mind? No, sir. I see it. It's just there. I'm looking at you just the same as you are. Only you're standing here, yet you may be 40 years back in somebody's life. Seeing what's taking place, even see them the way they dressed, positionally and everything. But a vision is God. I love that. 
Brother Sam, a vision is God by a word of knowledge dropping to the person to foresee or foresee something, tell something that has been or something that will be. What is a vision? 1963. A vision is the forecast of future events. It foretells the thing before it happens. Brother Bram says it like this at thy word 53. In other words, a vision causes you to be in two worlds at the same time. You're in the world here now, yet you're in another world, and you're, oh God, you're speaking over there knowing that your voice is heard back here. <sighs> Come on, church. Come on. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying the connection between the seen realm and the unseen realm was a seventh angel who was born a specific way that could stand between two dimensions and could fellowship or communicate the seen realm with the unseen realm. Come on, church. He said, come on. You, you, okay, Brother Hobbs, tell me. He stands in a building. There's a woman comes up before him. Listen, and he says it like this. He says, oh, I see you. Oh, yeah, you was a little girl, and you got off the bus one day, and you got chased home by a dog. Oh, I see what's happening. You had a little colored dress on. Oh, I see. And that fear has followed you. Listen. He was not back there when it happened. He was not on the bus with her when it happened. Listen, and they didn't leave the meeting. They were on the platform, in the building, in flesh bodies. But their focus had been changed. Come on, church. I tell you what a prophet done. A prophet stood in the gap, and he connected you from your past into your future. God, I feel like shouting right now. He stood in the present, Brother Webster, and connected you with your past and introduced you to your future. He told her her past. He said you was on a bus. You was bit by a dog. You was chased home. Here she stands under a nervous condition in the present. Oh, God, Brother Sam, the dog was not in the building. The bus was not in the building. But the girl was there in the present, in the building, with a nervousness upon her. And he said, listen, I see why that nervous is on you now. It's because of what happened then. But do you believe me to be God's servant? That in the name of Jesus Christ, that demon is defeated to never torment meant you again come on church what did she do she stepped out of the past she stepped out of the present and she stepped into the future by the words of a prophet come on church I tell you what I heard I heard a prophet somebody asked me one time brother Sam they said how can you stand there and preach and preach and preach and preach and the atmosphere might be quiet or the atmosphere might be tired I said you know how I can do that it's cause I've not been fellowshipping with the atmosphere of problems I've not been fellowshipping with the people situation I've been fellowshipping with the prophet and you know what a prophet said he said I saw you there you know what a prophet said? He said, I saw you victorious over the mark of the beast, over the horse, over the number of his head. Come on, church. I'm not preaching to you, Brother Aaron, as I see you right now. I'm preaching to you as a prophet saw you. He saw you by vision. He saw you by authority. He saw you by divine power. You see the suffering. You see the glory. Unseen stabilizes. Oh, I'm I'm skipping over a lot. The unseen stabilizes a man's thinking. Can I can I close with this? A vision does what? Connects you with two worlds. Remember, said you got the Holy Spirit in you, then you're a candidate for association with the unseen world and the supernatural. No wonder people can't believe in those things 
They've never come in contact. There's nothing in here to believe with. But when the Holy Spirit comes into the heart, quickly, he becomes then a twofold being. One of the earth to die and one of the heavens to live. You're living in two worlds. In his body, he is still subject to death. In his soul, he's passed from death into life. In his body, he has earthly contact with his five senses. In his spirit, he has contact with God through the Holy Ghost. The angels of God visit them, speaks with them. They are messengers sent from God to reveal and to bring messages from God to the individual. Oh, my, a vision is a direct word of the Lord. If there be a prophet, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I love this. What is a vision? 1956. For instance, sometimes I'll be at home. I'll be walking through the house, not thinking of anything. Maybe down in the room, and there'll come a vision. And maybe it'll set up perfectly still for quite a little while. And he'll say, now you're going to have a call in a few moments from the phone. And you're going into this city. And when you go in this city, you'll go to a certain place. I'll be this way. And you'll go into the room and you'll lay your hat down. Or your lady, or, or the lady rather, will lay your hat on the bed. But it isn't supposed to lay there. It's supposed to be lying over on the other table. And another lady will come in this way. You'll see it all acted out just exactly the way it's supposed to be done. And if I fail in one of those things, it won't happen. It, are you ready for this? It has to be, speaking of the vision, it has to be just exactly to the moment and the time and everything positionally the same for it's a vision. It has to be perfectly materialized, and when it does, it's got to happen. It's never failed. Standing between two worlds. One of the earth to die one of the heavens to live. Standing between two dimensions, suffering and glory. Now, I want to I just share this with you. Remember, a few, remember many years ago, Brother Ram says it like this. He said, one day I was on my way to Florida, and he said, on the way down there, a little vision broke. Remember? He said, and the vision broke. He said, in the vision, I saw a little boy being killed. He said, now, in the vision, I begin to receive the perfect details. Eye color, hair color, all these things. He said, the color of clothes. He said, then all of a sudden, I heard those words. I love them, Brother Webster. Thus saith the Lord. He said, when I heard those words, he said, it anchored something in my heart. And I told those with me, he said, and they wrote it in the flyleaf of their Bible. Write the vision, for it will speak. They wrote it in the flyleaf of their Bible. He said, two years passed. He said, and little kids would get killed or hurt, and they would call me. He said, I would go down there. They would say, Brother Branham, here it is. He said, I would look at it. He said, but I remembered the vision. He said, I'd just lay my hand on him and say, I'm sorry, that's not it, but I'll pray. He said, I would pray. I'd say, Lord, bless him. Lord, heal him, raise him up, and I'd go on my way. He said, but one day I was over in Cupio, Finland. He said, and as we were driving down the road, we come up on the scene, and something, he said, and a voice spoke to me and said, something is fixing to happen. And I said, when I got out of there, notice this, he said, I got out of the car, and he said, I walked up there, and he said, everybody was around there crying. What is the emotion of crying a characteristic of suffering? 
He said everybody was around there crying. They was all tore up. What is distress a characteristic of suffering? He said they were all, he said the little boy, I looked over there, all body, all mangled up, bloody, in a terrible condition. He said, I thought, oh, dear God. He said, listen, he said, and I started to cry. Crying, suffering. He saw the suffering. He said, but then a voice spoke and said, look up. He said, and when I looked up, he said, I saw some mountains. He said, then I saw some trees. He said, then I began to see some other things. He said, and then, it, then I realized I've seen this before. I've seen this before. He said, I looked over at Brother Moore and said, Brother Moore, go read your Bible. He said, he brought his Bible over there, read to me the vision. He said, there's the mountains, Brother Branham. He said, there's the trees. He looked down. He said, there's the eye color. There's the hair color. Oh, God. For two years, amen, people had tried to take the place of that vision, but nobody could take that boy's place in that vision because the vision had to be materialized at the perfect time, at the perfect moment. And a prophet stood there and he said, I begin to cry. Listen, as long as he was looking at the condition, he was suffering, he was crying, he was brokenhearted. But all of a sudden, he said, when I looked up, I began to realize we were fixing to see, amen, the glory of God. Come on, church. He saw the suffering of the dead boy. He saw the broken heart of the parents. He saw the distress of the community. But by a vision, he changed his focus and said, I can line up every devil in hell. And in a few moments' time, if this boy is not up off the ground, you call me a false prophet. He had said like this, but I propose to you, he said, every devil in hell. Ever devil in hell could have not stopped that boy from getting up off the ground. You know why? Because he was not going to raise by impression. He was not going to raise by emotion. He was not going to raise by sensation. He was going to raise by the vision predicting the suffering. But the same vision that predicted the suffering is the same vision that predicted the glory. And just a few moments the boy was up on his feet. What are you saying? I'm saying, get your eyes off the suffering. Get on your feet. You're going to see the glory. You got to get up out of it. If you're ever going to see the glory, you got to get up out of the suffering. Brother Sam, it would have been real easy for him to get bogged down there with all the suffering. But he had a vision. He had a direct word of the Lord. One of our musicians come this morning. Listen, friends, I propose to you this morning all devils out of hell can't stop it. What God has spoken will come to pass. And there ain't enough devils in hell to stop it. It will come to pass. It has been spoken. It must come to pass. It has been spoken. It must come to pass. Do you really think that when Brother Branham went there, that he went there as a, went there as a, I don't know how to explain this way, I'm trying to get off the heart. He went there as a superhero, as a superman, walked down there. 
He walked down there just like you do. But he was being led by a vision. A vision. <laughs> a vision brings life. Listen, I, I could preach all day on where there is no vision that people perish. That boy was laying there perishing. He, matter of fact, but there he done perished. He was done done for. Right. Life was gone. few moments they'd probably come take you to the undertaker and mommy but there was a vision before that boy ever <laughs> oh God. listen that boy didn't realize when he woke up that morning that a prophet had been communicating with another dimension about him <laughs> it's breaking over me right now y'all just give me a second it was just another day in that boy's life. He got up and walked out. Maybe he went to school. Maybe he had a bad day. Maybe somebody didn't treat him right or something. Maybe he decided he'd cross the road. Didn't see a car coming. Stepped out in front of it and actually hit and killed. Looked like it was all over. Finished. But little did he know there was a... What are you saying? I'm saying this morning, some of you all... Right now, are going through trials and situations. And you're laying right there right now saying, well, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it'll end. This is the way I'll be. Mm -hmm. But I propose to you this morning that before you ever had the stroke, before you ever had the disagreement, before you was ever diagnosed with the cancer, there was a vision. There was some divine communication. Listen, I'll tell you one thing I hate, Brother Sam. I hate to know somebody's been talking about me and I don't have a clue what they've been saying. If you're going to talk about me, at least let me know what you're talking about. Me. Are you hearing me? Yes. What if I told you this morning, God, the seventh angel, talked about you? Talked about you. They discussed your future. They discussed your future home. They discussed your destination. They discussed that you weren't destined for a grave. You was destined for the marriage supper of the Lord. Amen. They discussed that you weren't destined to be a depressed, neurotic, nervous, basket case in Laodicea. But they discussed that you could have power and love in a sound mind. Friends, it's more real than I'm looking at you playing them drums right now. It's real this morning. Amen. Won't you stand to your feet with us? It's real this morning. Now listen, I... I don't, I don't, I don't have time to, to go back into it, but I just want to drop this to you tonight, or this morning rather. Some of y'all say as long as she's preaching, it's going to be tonight. Oh, I'm going to say it tonight like this. Brother Mitch, it amazes me in that vision as you read it. My brother Bram said, I spoke and he said, I said, that boy will raise up. And I love what he says, brother. He says, if he's not on his feet in five minutes time then you call me a false prophet. Right. Brother Sam, that's some big words. He didn't say if it's not set up in his time. He didn't say if his eyes open. He didn't say if he nods his head a little bit in five minutes time. Now listen, y'all call me crazy, whatever, but I believe what a prophet taught. Amen. I don't believe the boy set up on this... Set up on his 
on his back and he looks around and says, yeah, I believe what the prophet said. He was on his feet. Amen. Now, I'm the guy that says, Brother Mitch, why? Out of all the body parts he could have chose, he could have sat on his hands, could have sat on his back, said he could have nodded his head, but he said he was on his feet. Oh, that's right. Because in Christ, everything is underneath our feet. Amen. I got a whole message on it here, but I'll just tell you what I promise said. He said, don't just come here guessing. He said, take that guess, take that hope, take that imaginary and put it under your feet. That's right. That's right. Remember as a kid, a church over in Virginia, and I'd preach there, I was probably 15, 16 years old, I was preached over there. And there's a, a brother on the front row, and you get to preach, you go, you think, praise the Lord, he's happy. And you'd say a little something else, you go, you say, man, he's he's happy, man. He's a say, glory to God, the devil's defeated. So I asked him, I said, I said, brother, why do you stomp your feet? He said, because every now and again, I just want to find the devil. He's still under there. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's time to bring some foot stomping religion. Back in the house of God. What about it? The word of flesh. What about it, church? Anybody just want to remind that devil? He's under your feet. Yes. He's under. Come on. Spirits are under your feet. Depression. Under your feet. Yes. Underneath your feet. False doctrine underneath. Come on, church. It's underneath you this morning. Amen. Feel the preaching. Come on. You say, but Andrew, you say, how can you say that? I love this. Because of all the parts the Lord could have chose, he said the serpent in Genesis 3, he said the serpent would bruise thy heel and, and the seed of the woman would bruise his head you realize the devil didn't any more on in your foot mm. if the devil's on your ankle he's gone too far Amen. if the devil smacks your knee he's gone too far if the devil smacks your mind he's gone the only, uh, the only allotted portion that God gave him was your foot mm. he has no rights beyond your foot Stomp that devil this morning. He has no right to go beyond where God put him. Put him back in his place. Yes. He's a defeated devil. Amen. You say, Melander, I'm the weakest, lowest, puniest, most unimportant, unrecognized member of the body. Thank you for telling me. Because I'm going to tell you what a prophet said. He said, you may be in this body. He said, you may be the skin on the bottom of the little toe, but you're still over the devil. Steal over the devil. Listen, friends, this prophet didn't give you room to fail. He gave you room to overcome. Amen. Yes. You love the Lord this morning. Yes. Let's together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you this morning. Father, we thank you for the vision that has been spoken concerning this bride. Yes, Lord. Now, Lord, I've ministered what was on my heart this morning. Lord, you led me into areas that I was not, Lord, meditating upon. But Father, Thou knowest all things. Yes. Now Father, I'm asking for a grace to come over this assembly. Lord, what a what a what a fire, what a powerhouse you raised up in this community. But Lord, we're very well aware that Satan will do everything he can 
He will do everything he can to stop it. He will do everything he can to send the spirit in, to find a backslid cell, a masked up cell, and a different cell. But Lord, let him this morning by vision. Lord, let him by vision this morning look beyond the troubles. Look beyond the sufferings. Look beyond the humanity and the weaknesses. And Lord, let him see. Let him see the rivers flowing. Let him see the sons and daughters of Zion returning with joy and gladness. Let him see the salvation. Let him see the glory of God. For Father, we love you this morning. We do thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your grace that has overshadowed these hearts and lives. Bless your children today, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. You love him today. Amen. How many can say from this day forward, I'm going to focus on the glory. Amen. I'm not going to focus on the sufferings. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to even be talked about. Right. Talk about the glory. I love how Brother Bebber says in the church age book, he says, he says these little temporary sufferings, he said, but the tremendous weight of glory. Amen. Tremendous weight of glory shall be revealed. You love him today. Yes. God bless you for time. I pray something's been said this weekend to help you, to encourage you, to bless you. Listen to Amen. the assembly here. Press the battle. Press the battle. To you, visitors, press the battle in your home churches. Change your focus. Lift your eyes up to the mountains. Look at the trees. Read the vision. Talk about what God told you before you left Egypt. See the glory. Not the suffering. God bless you this morning. As our brother comes. Oh, all the way I'm going all the way. Oh, all the way I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way with my Lord. Well, I've made my decision. I'm going all the way. I've made my choice. I'm going all the way. I've made my decision. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way.
find the question that Joshua asked. He said, I know what my family's decision is, but you've got to make that same decision. You each one, each heartbeat in this room right now, will you forsake the world and walk with Christ, or will you die in your sins? This is real. This is life or death. There's no playing with this. You don't play with God. God is very merciful and he's very kind. But there comes a point where it's, it, it's yes or no. Right. And we've all sang this morning as we've testified with our lips. I promise him with all my heart, I won't turn back. I won't look back. I won't go back to this world. Yes. I will walk with him even if it means my life. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't want come, care what comes, fiery furnace, sin of life, whatever it might be. I know he's with me. Because he promised it. Amen. He promised it. And ain't nothing more powerful on this planet than his promise. Praise the Lord. How blessed people we are this morning. Did you enjoy that? Give our brother a hand of praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you glad you were here this weekend? Amen. Do you feel like your life has been changed? You feel like you're closer to the Lord Jesus this weekend? This isn't, this isn't Andrew Glover speaking to you. This is your husband. This is your Lord Jesus Christ that inhabited that body and spoke directly to your heart. Not just your ears, but you can testify, I felt him right here. Something was burning around this area right here. I know the Lord spoke to me. How blessed we are. What a mighty God we serve this morning. What a mighty God. Don't you love him? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. We'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to say thank you. Lord, you always blow me away. Lord, I, I admit that I have low expectations. Couldn't imagine things you do for us, Lord. But you always show up and go further than I can ever imagine, Lord. I want to say thank you, Lord, for your visitation, your presence in these meetings, Lord God. How good you are to us. Lord, you don't have to do this. You don't have to make a change in our lives. You don't have to let us feel your anointing and your presence. But Lord, yet you're so kind and you love us so much that you do. And I say thank you from the bottom of my heart, Lord. I pray you bless my brothers and sisters here today, that you would help them in their walk with you, Lord, that you would show them anything in their life that might not be pleasing to you, and you would help them to lay it upon your altar of sacrifice, that they might fling open every door of their heart, that you would have the preeminence in their lives, and they would surrender all that they are to you, to where that their heart, their body, their soul, their spirit would cry out, not my will, but thine be done. And Lord, I pray you would step in us and manifest yourself as you so desire. We pray you bless our brother Andrew, Lord, that you give him strength, that you would touch his body, that you bless his family. Bless him as he travels this world preaching your gospel, Lord. I pray that you would help him everywhere he goes, Lord, that you would give him strength, that you would give him grace, Lord, and you would take those words that come out of his vocal cords, Lord, and put them right in the heart of your people. Bless him, Lord Jesus. Bless all those that have traveled to fellowship with us. Lord, bless all of our brothers and sisters all across this planet this morning that's lifted up praise to you, that love you, that are living for you, Lord. I pray you would have mercy upon us. Lord, bless us as we fellowship here in the building here in a little bit. I pray that you'd be each one, with each one of us as we go our separate ways, that these words and what you've spoken to our heart, to my heart this morning, that you would continue to expound upon it and show us more and show us more as you become more and more real to us. We thank you for that. And we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in the most beautiful and lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Amen. God bless you this morning. You are dismissed. We'll sing as we go.